one guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. My guest on this edition of Music Was My First Love is Welsh TV newsreader with Wales Today and consumer presenter on X-Ray. She followed in her father's footsteps on Wales Today and has also become a vocal ambassador for a number of causes, including St John's Ambulance, Bobath, Tihafon, and from her own experiences of IVF. Her second children's book, The Sea House, was released in 2018. I'm talking about Lucy Owen, and with much to talk about, we'll hear from Lucy after her first choice from Kylie. Welcome at long last to Radio Glamorgan's Music was my first love. Oh, Andrew, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this, but I want to apologise straight away <laughs> for my music choices. There's a lot of cheesy pop coming up. Disney, I don't want to give too much away, but um, yeah, I'm apologising in advance. I think we all need a little bit of uh, a lift at the moment, don't we? I think so, we desperately so... do, yeah. Tell me about yes. uh, your first choice from Kylie and Wow. Oh, well, that was playing when my son Gabriel was born. And uh, whenever I hear that, it it just makes me smile. We had difficulty having him. We had to have IVF treatment. And I remember having surgery at the University Hospital of Wales to find out what the problem was and and why we weren't conceiving. And we went on to have IVF treatment and we were incredibly lucky. It worked first first round. And I know how how rare that is. So, So we had a... You know, while it was a difficult journey in some ways, you know, we were very lucky compared to what what some couples go through trying to have a child. And then Gabriel was born on the 10th of March, 2008, at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital in St. Tristan. And yes, that song was playing. And I, I, not only was I absolutely wowed by by his arrival and seeing him, I was also nudging Rod saying, oh, look, Rod, Kylie's playing, because Rod's <laughs> loved Kylie since the Charlene days. <laughs> so I think like, yeah, focus on the child, yes. <laughs> there was, you know, before I came to the studio, I was just looking at, at photos online just for promotional purposes, and there's a gorgeous picture when I Google for yourself, which, knowing the story of the IVF, just said so much. It was a picture of you and Gabriel... He could only have been about three or four, and it looked like you're on the patio, and you're there on your knees, Aww. and you just give him a hug. And any, any picture with mother and child is beautiful, but when you know the story and the effort that went behind it, it just it said everything. Oh yes, I, you know every child is special, but I think yeah. you know when you've you when you've had a bit of a bit of a battle, you 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 really appreciate what what a gift they are. Yeah. Did you have music growing up at home? that much to be honest not that I I particularly remember I've always really loved music really loved you know pop and the charts and I can just remember you know listening to the charts every week without fail and always saying to myself you know when my mum didn't know what number one was and thinking how terrible that was and how Hmm. uncool that I was never not going to know what number one was yeah and obviously I don't know what number one is now but I'm very uncool mother myself (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I was always really into it but I I wouldn't say that you know that my mum was was particularly into it My, my dad you know, did enjoy music, and he, he played the harmonica, so so he was a little bit more musical. But um, whereas I, I've always loved it and had a really kind of eclectic music taste, mm. completely tone deaf, can't sing a note, <laughs> can't play an instrument. So um, I think, yeah, and any singing should be confined um, to the shower on my own and yeah. a long way from anybody else. <laughs> uh, your second choice is from The Little Mermaid. 
Oh yes. So I'm. I'd love you to play um, Under the Sea, yeah. the Little Mermaid. Now I'm a bit of a Disney fan. I think I. I, I don't know what it is. I, I. I think it might be the escapism. I think with the day job being a Wales Today and being surrounded by you know hard news all the time, and, and particularly at the moment. It's so tough, isn't it? Yeah. When, when we watch what's going on and we see what's going on and being in the thick of it sometimes, it can be um, quite hard. So I think it's just the escapism of that <laughs> that dream world. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about writing children's fiction. It's just a complete opposite and a complete escape and a completely different way of writing. I'm used to you know, writing factual scripts and mm. headlines. And then to be able to write something where I can just let my imagination run wild, that's just wonderful. And so I wrote my second book, The Sea House. And when I do talks, I'd I'd play lots of music um, as kids were coming into whatever venue I was in. But Under the Sea was, was a great one to play because um, it has that sea theme. It's fun. It makes everybody relax and happy. And yeah, it seemed a really good fit with the book. You know, my love of writing book and Disney and yeah the sea house was a story that I wrote about a couple of years ago and it was only midway through writing it I I realized that you know it was probably to do with my dad it was a story about a little girl who cries so much one night she fills her whole house up with her tears and she creates a wonderful magical sea world with lots of lovely sea creatures in it but there's also a darkness in the house and um, Coral our heroine of the story has, has lost both her parents and it's kind of about her finding her light, finding her friends and finding happiness and, and trying to, you know, having to fight this darkness that she feels within her, which kind of is represented by this little stingray that lives in the kitchen. And I lost my dad. He he drowned at sea. And it was it was only when I was sort of midway through writing it, I was like, oh, OK, so I think this must be where mm. where this is coming from. So, yes, that's that's kind of the story behind that that book and where it comes from I think whenever anybody does anything creative it often comes from the, those moments in their lives that, that really within. hit hard absolutely yeah. absolutely but I hope that something lovely and positive has, has come from you know what at the time for me was a very difficult experience you can't apologise for picking music like that <laughs> That's made everyone smile. I love it. Oh, it's made me smile. That's what the world needs, as you as you said at the beginning, really. Where did the interest in journalism come from? Do you know what? I I wasn't one of those people who knew what they wanted to do um, from a really young age. But I did have a little insight into broadcasting when I was younger. My dad was a solicitor and he would broadcast on Vincent Kane's radio show at the weekends he was the resident lawyer people would phone in with their legal questions and he would answer them and I can remember him taking me into the studio once I just thought oh this is really cool (laughs) so I think that really appealed to me and then I went away traveling after university and I came back and I thought gosh it would be really great to be able to to do that so I, I wrote to Vincent Kane and said look is there any chance I can have some work experience you know come and make the tea he said yes. So that's how I started. And then a researcher was off sick. And so they let me research for a bit. So I got a researching job on meat for lunch. So preparing all the, the briefs for interviews for Vincent Kane. Mm. Then there was a radio show starting up opposite. And I thought, oh, it might be quite good to um, do some reporting. That'd be really cool. 
so they said, right, okay, well, come up with an idea. If we like the idea, we'll teach you how to use the recording equipment. If we like what you come back with after you've recorded stuff, we will teach you how to edit it. And if we like the final version, we will broadcast it. And they did like it. And I got a regular slot on that show. And then um, a while later, I heard that they were doing screen tests for presenters on well, HTV as it was back hmm. in the day. It'll always be HTV to me. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, I didn't have a chance. So I, I went along, wasn't nervous, and breezed through the screen test. That was great. Anyway, then they called me back for a second screen test. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe I actually do have a chance of getting this job. And so this time I was really nervous. I Before I didn't think I had anything to lose. And suddenly... I thought, oh, gosh, maybe I've got a shot at this. Anyway, so I thought I was hopeless. I, I stumbled. I got in a bit of a pickle with my script. <laughs> but miraculously, I got the phone call and they offered me the job. You know, within nine months of that, I was presenting the main program, um, Wales Tonight. And so I was incredibly lucky, you know, by my early 20s to be presenting a flagship yeah. news program in Wales was just incredible. And did you so enjoy I, the radio medium? I did. I really loved radio. I think there's something really intimate about radio because you it's just the voice. It, there are no other distractions, no, no visuals. It's just you, a voice and your thoughts and, and your imagination. There's something very personal about that mm. and you have a lot of freedom as well with tv you, you, you have a, a camera crew and you know when you're writing you're scripting things to pictures so you're, you're thinking about that all the time whereas with radio you can just small bit of kit up and off you go so it's there's a lot of freedom with that which is, is liberating have you done any since um i did do a little show on radio wales a couple of years ago but uh yeah no not 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 since then but i, I it was really great to to be able to have some yeah. some fun and a little bit of bit of banter on the airwaves again so i'm glad that i'm being able to do this now yeah a little taste of it thank you your uh, third choice lucy is from the endearing and seemingly ever-present dolly parton why this particular track oh i absolutely love dolly she's such a legend isn't she yeah. I, I love everything about her i think she's so talented she's a self-made woman you know she came from very humble beginnings and you know her career has spanned decades she, she's yeah multi-talented actress singer songwriter and i love her social conscience as well i love how she wants to give back to her community yeah. so she's created dollywood and that that kind of theme park hasn't she in you know near where she grew up you know providing so many jobs for people she is passionate about education and reading and has a scheme where she sends um, books out to underprivileged children as well. So I just love everything about her. And I particularly love how she can laugh at herself as well, yeah. the hair, the boobs, yeah. and she, she makes a joke about it as well. So I just think she, she's just an absolutely incredible woman. I will be devastated when when her time comes and i particularly love this song coat of many colors because it just pays tribute and, and nods to those humble upbringings and i think there's a line that goes something about you know you, you're as rich as you can be if you have love that, that's the ultimate sentiment behind it and it's it's made out of patchwork which i really love as well and she talks about this coat made of patchwork um, patchwork material made by her mum and uh, yeah I love that too so my coat of many colors that my mama made for me made only from rags but I wore it so proudly did you know when you joined Wells today that your late father Jeff had worked there do you know what I didn't no I didn't <laughs> and how did you find out well I knew that 
he worked on Meat for Lunch with Vincent Kane, but yeah, yeah no, that was that was a real a real surprise. And something you're proud of? Of course, yeah. yes, yes. And I think you know he was a lawyer, but I think he would have loved to have had a career in broadcasting. So unfortunately, he never got to see me presenting or or hear me on air. But I I hope that he'd be hope that he'd be pleased. You were in your teens when you lost your father, a difficult age at the best of times. Can you remember how it affected you at such a young age? Just, you know, it's all a bit of a blur. But I I think when you lose anybody, really, particularly a parent, mm. it, it never really goes away. That, no. that pain is always there, but it just becomes easier. And, you you know, life goes on and you accept it. And it is, it is it becomes part of your story. Um, but it's always there and after time you remember it fondly and dad was such a fantastic character and quite you know a larger than life personality and um he was a great raconteur and um really good fun and very sociable and had you know lots of friends and even to this day people come up to me and say oh gosh I remember your father he was so much fun we did this and we did that I hear lots of great stories about him so um you know you in time you just learn to remember those wonderful times and and fondness your next choice lucy is typical of a happy music you told me that you liked uh (laughs) reach from s club seven tell me about this one Oh, it didn't take long to get back to the cheesy pop, did it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is just oh, a great track. So, so fun. And it just reminds me of partying with friends back in the day when I used to go out on the town in Cardiff. Yeah, and we'd always um, be begging the DJ to put to put this on. And then um, we'd all have a really good dance at the end of the night, do all the moves. The, uh, I'll be doing those now, reaching right, <laughs> for the I stars. Put the webcam on, please. Uh, <laughs> no way. You know, Lucy, love it or hate it, you can't help but... I was doing all the hand signals. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Oh, I was straight back in those Cardiff nightclubs. (laughs) Uh, Your next choice, Lucy, is from country singer Jim Reeves. Uh, Tell us about I Love You Because. I love this song so much. It reminds me of my grandfather, so my mum's dad. And um, he used to look after me a lot when I was younger because mum had a hairdressing salon and she worked really hard, really long hours. And he would do a lot of the childcare for her. And he would play this to me. And I can remember me getting him to play it again and again and again. And it's just such a beautiful song. And, and quite a contrast to S Club 7, I would uh, say. That was so slightly, yes. <laughs> the door to happiness you open wide. You're listening to another edition of Radio Glamorgan's Music Was My First Love with Welsh newsreader and presenter Lucy Owen choosing 10 of her favourite tracks. Whenever I hear that song, I can see my mum dressed up as Tina Turner with a wig on, a short skirt, the high heels, 
dancing away. Basically, she had her hairdressing salon in Cardiff and every Christmas Eve, everyone in the salon would dress up. And I just remember her this one Christmas Eve, <laughs> dressed up as Tina Turner, loving that song, doing all the moves to it. And yes, getting very carried away and very into the parts. And I think I can remember holding my, I think I was a teenager and mortally embarrassed yes. by it all. <laughs> I mean, anything but, uh, our yeah. parents do at that age embarrasses us, but dressing up as Tina Turner is probably a step too far. <laughs> yeah, possibly, quite possibly. <laughs> but she's amazing. Um, her name is Patsy. She's now 81. Wow. But she really is absolutely fabulous and very much like uh, Patsy from ah, Absolutely right, okay. <laughs> Super glam, very blonde, loves a glass of red wine. Nothing she loves more than that. And yeah, she's amazing. I mean, she pretty much brought me up um, yeah. as a single mum. And yeah, she, she often talks about her days as an air hostess flying for BOAC, it was, before it was British Airways. But when she got married... Back in those days, you weren't allowed to be married and to be an air hostess. You yeah, had to yeah. be um, young, free and single. So she was forced to give up flying, which she loved, which was a real shame. She loved um, travelling and seeing different places. But then she, she got married and she had me and then she set up a business sort of in the late 60s, early 70s. So she was quite a trailblazer in, in that way. You know, there weren't that many women running their own businesses in those days. And she, she didn't really have know what <laughs> what she was doing I don't think to start but her and her partner Joe um, in the end set up this this you know successful salon and ran it for about sort of 30 odd years and yeah and really enjoyed it I think in the end and I think yeah, it was hard work and I yeah. I can remember being panicky about uh, sitting my exams and thinking right that's it I'm just going to go into the family business and mum <clears throat> got me into the salon to do all the worst jobs like cleaning the hair out of the plug holes in the sink just to put me off because she said that hairdressing is a really hard job you know it's it's tough work you're on your feet all day and while it is lovely to meet so many different people and chat to clients she said, it's too hard she just I didn't want me to go into it I think no. whatever career you go into you always see the pitfalls don't that's you that's right yeah so um when we were talking off air before we started we mentioned some mutual people that we know and even whilst running that but your your mum had time for a mutual friend who she would just she was a single mum and to give her time a rest she would take her two children out so I guess your mum must have known what she was going through then to give her that yeah, rest yeah maybe that was it yeah, yeah she's she's incredibly kind and she loves spending time with her grandson now as well but um yeah there's no doubt it must have been tough you know working full-time running your own business bringing me up and dad was there as well but you know, I'd, I'd see him at weekends and things but yeah. even so that that juggle in the week my goodness I I it's tough. It's tough. And forgive me for stating the obvious, but your mum must be incredibly proud of the career that you carved out for yourself. Oh, I think she is. She's got a terrible scrapbook with some awful <laughs> cuttings of me uh, from right back in the day when I started off like, oh, I was writing for the Western Mail when I first started out, you know, just, just again, sort of work experience, just trying to to get any experience of journalism that, that I could and oh my gosh some some terrible stories that I did and <laughs> oh I can remember modeling some awful hats and oh then there was one piece called like dream of being more blessed in the chest <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> now listen I'm going to put you on the spot tell me about a day in the life of Lucy Owen when she's going to be on Wales today okay so if I'm doing a late shift, which I, I tend to be doing quite often yeah. these days, I will, in the morning, go out for a walk with the dog, keep across the news, usually just try and run around and catch up with lots of bits and bobs, get into work for about one o'clock, watch the news. Then our shift sort of 
starts really at about about two-ish. We have a meeting at half past two when we will run through all the stories in the programme. The producer will talk about what we're going to headline the programme and then it's up to me to write the headlines, edit the headlines with an editor and choose any good clips that we think might sort of sell the programme well at the at the top of it. Beginning of the news. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's good. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like your shop window. You know, yeah. It's so easy for people to switch over their remote control, you know, with their remote. And um, so basically that's kind of setting out your stall at the top of the programme. So you really want to try and appeal to as many people as possible and make sure that people want to watch, want to stay with you mm. and don't want to flip over. Yeah, so that, that's kind of my job to try and pick out the best bits that we can showcase at the top of the programme. Um, but the, oh gosh, the time just flies. It's like the clock just speeding up mm. the whole time. That those few hours before you know I have to get into the studio at about sort of quarter to six to rehearse for headlines and things. It's just really busy. It's non-stop, but I love it. I think I've learned to thrive on that adrenaline. And of course, we're in this lovely new building now in the centre of Cardiff, and it's a very different experience to when I first started out. Digital newsroom. We have cameras that are operated remotely there are lots of different sort of settings and so the cameras move automatically by themselves so we don't have cameramen in the studio anymore so it's it's very different in the new building and it feels um, so much bigger as well watching it on tv yes yes i know what you mean that studio even though i think physically it may, might not actually be as as big as our other studio but i think it's those big screens isn't it that yeah. are um you know amazing quality yeah it's got that sense of scale to it i know what you mean and between half past six and half past ten, is there usual, usually with local news, much change? Not often, to be honest. It tends to be kind of fairly static, I would say, news-wise. Mm. But, you know, you just never know. I mean, that, and that's, that's the thing about live news. You just never know what is, is no. going to happen. And you can guarantee the moment that you perhaps sort of relax and think it's a quiet night, that's when the big story yeah. breaks. You've always got to be on your toes. You can't let your guard down for a second. And when you finish at, what, about quarter to 11, yeah. are you out of there straight away? Yes, kind of quick change. And I'm usually home about sort of half past 11. But it's really hard getting that adrenaline rush from being yeah. on air at that time of night because I can never get to sleep. So I'm usually sort of at home buzzing and tend to have watch a bit of tv maybe catch up on some other news and or have a read a book or something or just yeah. anything to try and unwind but i don't usually get to sleep until about one o'clock just because you just have that kind of like oh i'm wide awake now yeah. <laughs> and i'll i'll ask it, it's interesting what what i do is 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 different you know i don't have the, the listeners that you have but i do a show on a saturday night i do eight till eleven get home about quarter to twelve and I, I can't go straight to bed, mm, you know, no, because exactly you are... Same. I mean, I've had music banging in my ears for three hours, so... <laughs> I know, it's, it is. It's really hard once you've been on air at that time, yeah. And I'll ask you the same question that I asked uh, Ben as when she was on Music Was My First Love. Is national TV something that, that appeals to you? Well, I would like to say that Wales is national TV. <laughs> but I have dipped, in my, dipped my toe in the water up at ITN in London when yeah. I was working for um, ITV Wales. And that was an amazing experience. I, I almost wish I could have my time again up there, only to try and embrace it a little bit more. I was so overawed by the fact that I was there and sitting next to Mark Austin on the 6.30 yeah. News. And I sort of wish I had been more confident in myself at the time and just kind of grabbed that opportunity and 
owned it a little bit more rather than feeling like, oh, what on earth am I doing here? Mm. I can't believe it's me. I can't believe I've got this opportunity. I can't, I, I'm, I'm frustrated at myself a little bit with that, but it was, it was wonderful to ha- have that chance to experience that. But as soon as I had Gabriel, I just want to be in Wales and yeah. I I'm, don't want to go anywhere else. I, I love here, I love it here. And we have an incredible team that I work with on Wales yeah. today. Everyone is so brilliant, so dedicated, so focused, so lovely. We're a really, really lovely, close team. Mm. I think sometimes people have an image of a, of a newsroom as being totally cutthroat and, you know, everybody uh, desperate to climb to the top. And it is a really tough, horrible environment. And it's just not mm. that. It's a team of incredibly dedicated focused talented people who just really want to do the very best for their the audience and particularly at the moment i think we've all felt that we have a real public service to deliver um with people turning to bbc wales in 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 great numbers i think it's we've realized haven't we the impact of devolution with the different rules for coronavirus restrictions in wales to other places so people have really been coming to us in their thousands specifically and, to BBC Wales. And next time I have somebody from BBC Wales on the show, I'm going to refer to it as UK-wide rather than national, because uh, I think you're quite <laughs> <Yes>. right. <laughs> <laughs> on air, all day, every day. Broadcasting from the largest hospital in Wales, we are Radio Glamorgan. The Sea House was your second book. How I, I know you did journalism, but how did you get into writing? What was the idea behind children's books? Do you know, I, when Gabs was little, I just used to scribble down little poems and little stories. Again, just as an escape, I think, from the day job. And if I was on my, my break at work, I'd somehow it would make me feel closer to him when I wasn't able to put him to bed if I was on a late shift. Yeah. And if I felt like I was writing something for him, it just kind of made me feel... Like I was, he was in my thoughts and in my heart. And so I I just started scribbling. And then I'm an ambassador for the Children's Hospital for Wales, the Noah's Ark charity. We were having a meeting one day and we were talking about different fundraising ideas and what we could do. And I was like, oh, you know, I've written a couple of children's stories. I wonder whether we could get anything published and it could be a fundraiser. And they were like, oh, yeah, lovely idea. They were like, but we are absolutely stretched and flat out fundraising. But if you can make that happen, then brilliant. I was like, oh. Okay, that sounds great. So I, I approached Gomer, um, a Welsh publishing firm, who were just just said great. Took it on board straight away. Found a wonderful illustrator, and the book was published. And yeah, it it, it, it still raises money for um, Noah's Ark charity, which which is fantastic. And then after that, I I thought, oh, well, maybe I could do some other things, and carried on writing after that as well. So. I, I love it. And the, one of the things I really am passionate about is going into schools and being able to read with children and hopefully bring stories alive and encourage a love of reading yeah. um, amongst children. So, yeah, that's it's, it's a real passion of mine. I, I just love it. And it's a total escape. And I, I've got a very ridiculous, wild imagination. <laughs> and um, I, I just love it. I've got another book coming out next year, right. which is um, exciting. So it's called The Flower Girl. And yeah, I'm excited about that. It's uh, yeah, it's been lovely writing it. I've worked with the same illustrator that I work with on the Sea House as well, so that's been a, a real joy. And it, it's important because it it's for children. It starts with reading, doesn't it? That it that evolves their imagination. Absolutely, yes, definitely. 
it's just lovely to think that you know children might dip into something I've written yeah. and get something from it. That that's just wonderful. And yeah, if so, we can encourage more children to read, and then brilliant. We've had some pop and some country, and now for your seventh choice, um, music was my first love. Some folk from Tom Paxton. I'd forgotten all about this song, and it's wonderful. Do you know what? This is one that my dad used to play to me, and I just remember he had one of those big, massive, chunky old cassettes. Do you remember those yes, huge I do. ones? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'm so glad you do. <laughs> I, I had one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he used to play this to me, and um, it's about a father and a daughter, and. You know, as we talked about, I lost him when I was 16 mm. and um, I lost him too soon. But I, I love listening to this. It just takes me right back to times with him curled up on the sofa listening to this song. And yeah, I love it. Oh, you might believe in miracles, you might believe in saints, but you'd never believe my Katie when she's playing with her paints. For there's red up on the window and there's green upon her face, in her hair and in her eyes, but on the paper not a trace. What a great song for a father and daughter. Oh, I know. It makes me quite choked, actually. Every time I hear that, you know, I can still hear Dad singing that chorus to me. And, uh, oh, yeah. Thank you for playing that. A pleasure. Uh, thank you for choosing it. I mentioned earlier about causes close to your heart, and one of those which you touched on has come from personal experiences. You and your husband had to go through IVF. Tough and emotional times, I suspect. It was really difficult, I think. Until you've experienced fertility issues, I think you always assume that you're just going to have a baby when you decide to and it's mm. everything's going to be fine and then suddenly when it's not it's a real shock to the system but we were so lucky um i think we found out in the, in the may that we needed to have ivf treatment if we were going to have a child and by july i was pregnant so i had oh, wow. it very easy i met lots of um families that i've, I've since spoken to and, and met while it was really difficult, we, yeah, we were lucky. We were one of the lucky ones. And Gabriel is living proof that the stress and upset you went through was worth every second. <laughs> yes, he's upstairs right now. I can just hear him shouting on his Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's coming up to thirteen now, and yeah, he's he's brilliant. He's a he's a real character. Loads of fun. Great sense of humour. A spectacular farter. I'm going to share that with you. <laughs> Good on him. Literally can do it to cue. <laughs> that is teenage boys for you. Excellent. Brilliant. And you speak openly in public about fertility treatment, don't you, just to support others, I suppose? I've done a couple of pieces on the news for it, about it. And, um, you know, when, yeah, I've, I've, I've done things with the fertility, infertility network and, Actually, my, my new book is, is kind of inspired by that in a way. It's, it's a story about a woman who longs for a child and her wish is magically granted by this, this blossom tree and a child is made of blossom. Again, it was one of those moments where it was only once I'd, I'd sort of gotten a little way through the book and I was like, oh, Dina, that, that's what it's about. It's, that's where it's come from, mm. that, that wishing for a child. And really, the, those doctors do create magic, don't they, by, you know, helping couples can't have children suddenly conceive and and give them this wonderful gift of a child so everything that i write kind of come definitely comes from the heart but and you don't places of one thing that's come across is you don't realize that when you start writing weird isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> now back to the music lucy and for your next choice wales his own tom jones and the stereophonics well, I can't do something like this without no. names dropping a little bit, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd share a little bit of a showbiz story with you. <laughs> yeah, one of the perks of this job is sometimes you do get to have incredible experiences. Gosh, uh, I interviewed Prince Charles and 
also pop royalty in the form of Tom Jones and the Stereophonics. Basically, I flew out to L.A. to interview them and film a behind-the-scenes item when they were recording the video to this song, Mama Told Me Not To Come, mm. in L.A., and oh, it was just so cool meeting Tom, hanging out with them all. We were all staying at the same hotel. And there was this really like random coincidence because it was the time of sort of cool Cymru and everyone was talking about, you know, Catatonia and all lots of cool Welsh actors were in the spotlight. And literally in the same hotel happened to be Keris Matthews and Tree Seabans as well. So there was... Tom Jones, the Stereophonics, Keris Matthews, Reese Evans, and little old me on the side. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this kind of like really, really fun night in this very cool LA hotel, which had a, a sky bar on the top with a pool and like mattresses around oh. the pool where you could just kind of hang out. And it was one of those showbiz moments that was a once in a lifetime. I bet that little girl that went to sit with her dad on a radio show on the weekend didn't expect to be in LA with people like that. No, no, not even the grown up girl expected no. that something like that to happen. <laughs> but yeah, Tom, it was just incredible to meet him. He's such a legend, isn't he? And really just so charming honestly he he does not disappoint when you meet him <laughs> he's gorgeous <laughs> mama told me not to come mama told me not to come she said that in the real heaven a sign you're listening to radio glamorgan's music was my first love with andrew wolf and my very special guest lucy owen when you sign up to a program like x-ray do you have to invest in it emotionally and genuinely feel for the people whose stories you're trying to tell or do you have to take a back step? I think it's impossible not to feel for some of the people that we feature. Often when people contact our programme, they are literally at their wit's end. They have tried everything, feel like they're banging their head against a brick wall and we are their last port of call. Often people are really desperate we have an incredible team who work really hard and really care about helping and getting results. I really admire people who contact the programme because it is not easy if you've been scammed to appear on camera and say, do you know what, look, I was caught out. People often feel, they feel like it was their fault. They feel like they've been really stupid, but they haven't. These scammers are incredibly sophisticated mm. and it's very easy to get caught out by them even when you feel like you've done checks sometimes they still get you so I have huge admiration for people who go on camera often to warn other people and to make sure that nobody else gets caught out like they did so I feel very proud to be working on a program like that that can help highlight scams that are going on tracking down rogues and in some of our investigations have resulted in legal proceedings and you know, people being brought to justice when they need mm. to be and I feel very proud to be working on a programme like that. And I presume it's um, coming back. It's coming back, yes. We're back in February. Yes, so that's great. And I think at the moment as well, you know, so many people have issues that we can help with just because of the pandemic, whether it, they've lost money through holidays, lots of people contacting us who were really struggling to um, get their money back for those. Money is tight for everybody at the moment. People have lost money because they can't work at this time. Yeah. And people can't afford 
to lose any money. Nobody can ever afford to lose it, but particularly at the moment with money being tight, you know. So, um, yes, we're here for you if you need our help. We, we're trying to get through and look into as much as we possibly can now more than ever. And I'll give it a quick plug yeah, if how, anything you want us to look into. How do people do that? I take it they go, there's a website. Just an email is probably the right. easiest way. It's x-ray at bbc.co.uk so x-ray at bbc.co.uk and the team are there for you who are Goodmore and Keisha am I saying that right I think so okay (laughs) I don't really I'm not much of an expert either okay so this is a bit of a nod to my ridiculously mixed up music taste um (laughs) I do love a good bit of rap sometimes okay um and um Yes, I really like this song, just mainly because of the sentiment of it. It's called The Good Old Days, and it's quite nostalgic, and it's looking back and thinking, oh, you know, I wish I wish I knew those were the good days. And I think there's a little lesson for us there, isn't there? We need to appreciate the moment. It's so often we think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do this when I'm old, I'll do this, or, you know, I'll, I'll look forward to this time. And I think this is all about living in the moment and, and being present and appreciating what we have right now. Told me, babe, that someday these will be the good old days. All the love you won't forget, and all these reckless nights you won't regret. You've given your name to a lot of charities and causes, a range of cancer charities, as well as St John's Ambulance and also Bow Bath. And I read you're an ambassador for Tihafon. That's right, yes. It's one of the joys of doing this job that you do get to work with different charities. And there are lots that are close to my heart. Noah's Ark, it was wonderful to be able to to do that book with them. T. Haven, recently I've done quite a bit with them through covering a story of these amazing conjoined twins, Mariam and Ney, who are being supported by them and and by Noah's Ark, actually. And uh, they have treatment in in the University Hospital of Wales, too. And Bobath Cymru, which uh, helps children with cerebral palsy, Mm -hmm. was the very first charity that I got involved with. And it's just a real privilege to be able to help in in any way I can. I, I... it's one of the things that I really love about about doing this job. I, you know, I always think I don't do as much as I should, but I do what I can whenever I'm asked. Lucy, tell me about your final choice from Cliff Edwards. This, I had to end with a proper Disney classic, and it's When You Wish Upon a Star. It felt like a good choice at the moment. I think that we all probably have wishes that we'd like to make, and hope that they come true it's such a difficult time isn't it and Mm. i just would love to take this opportunity if i can to say a huge thank you to every single member of staff at the hospital for all the work that they're doing i cannot imagine how difficult it must be working in full ppe i want to give my very best to anybody who is being treated in hospital at the moment i wish you a speedy recovery and thank Mm. you for everything that you've done to, to all the staff. It, it's just extraordinary. And also to all the volunteers, I want to say thank you to you. I know lots of people give of their time to um, help the hospital function well. But yes, I just want to give everybody my best. And yeah, let's all wish for brighter times next year. Beautifully said, beautifully said. You're still a regular fixture on our Welsh TV screens, Wales Today and X-Ray. What's the future for Lucy Owen? Do we know? Is it much the same? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, do you know what I'm so 
lucky. I absolutely love both programs that I work on. I turn 50 next year. No. So um, I want to have a great year. Yeah, new book coming out. And I'd like to do a little bit of, I've always wanted to go to Florence in Italy. Yeah. So I'd like to go there. So a few little treats next year. Hopefully we'll be able to travel. And uh, yes, so I just want to have a great year next year. And, you know, I think before this pandemic, I kind of thought, oh, gosh, turning 50, I'm getting old. And do you know what? This has made me realize what a gift getting older is. Yeah, and how, yeah, lucky, yeah. how lucky we are to, to make these, these milestone ages. Lucy Owen, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. It was worth the 12-month wait. <laughs> oh, I'm just so sorry, but thank you no. so much for your patience and well, for having me. Pleasure. When you wish upon a star Your dreams listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan where Lucy Owen has been choosing 10 of her favourite songs and that email address again if you have uh, any issues that you'd like X-Ray to take up is x-ray at bbc.co.uk x-ray at bbc.co.uk I'm Andrew Wolf and join me again soon when someone else chooses 10 of their favourite songs on another edition of Music Was My First Love Possible.